that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm sure most of you have heard these famous words by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Most of us can probably recite it from memory with that special FDR flair. However, do you know the rest of the quote? For some reason, it seems to have been cast aside over the years. Fear itself, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Last week, we talked about success and quoted Thoreau, who said, you must advance confidently in the direction of your dreams. And while there are many obstacles that might derail us on our journey to success and our journey through life, there is perhaps none more devious than the nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror called fear. At any given moment, with any given choice, at any given crossroads, fear is often the greatest influencer in whether we advance or retreat. And in that moment of decision, fear can feel like it's everywhere. And so perhaps if we can better understand fear, maybe we can lessen its power and be more aware of when fear is being our friend or being our foe. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, sports, and pop culture. On this week's show, we explore how fear is lying to us and clarify what courage really is. We speak to consultant and speaker Brad Axelrod and dig into five specific fears that may be stopping you from creating success. I get a birthday call from Nick. We ask, yo, France, where you at? And of course, shout outs, the clip of the week, and an unexpected surprise or two. My name is Brett Gaida, and I am your host. Okay, so we want to understand fear. Well, as we learned back in our Meaning of Life episode, there is a resource where all of the answers exist to every question we have. Deep thoughts. Do you have an answer for you? <laughs> no, no, not deep thought. More powerful than that. Wikipedia! Wikipedia states, Fear is an emotion induced by a threat perceived by living entities, which causes a change in our brain and organ function, and ultimately a change in our behavior, such as running away, hiding, or freezing from traumatic events. Hmm. Maybe I was a bit bullish on Wikipedia. My memory has always been a bit of an optimist. Though to be fair, Wikipedia is an incredible resource if you're looking for facts. But what we want to do here is not define fear, but understand it. Know its meaning. To put it another way, a definition is like a phone number. And the meaning is why you would call in the first place. In a recent TED Talk, fiction writer Karen Thompson Walker explored the connection between fear the and the imagination. She suggested, Now, we might just as easily call these fears by a different name. What if instead of calling them fears, we called them stories? Because that's really what fear is, if you think about it. It's a kind of unintentional storytelling that we are all born knowing how to do. She goes on to point out that our fears have the same components and the same architecture as any great, powerful, positive story we make up. They have characters, most namely us, plots, imagery that is every way as vivid as the pages of a novel, and suspense with the big question, what will happen next? 
We human beings are the only ones capable of thinking about the future in this way, projecting ourselves forward through some combination of imagination and intellect. When I was in my 20s, I was a master storyteller when it came to girls and dating, though admittedly, I rarely got to the dating part. My friends would probably say I was super outgoing and confident, but the truth is that I was very intimidated around people I didn't know and often felt awkward and uncomfortable, especially around women. Without exaggeration, I would play out this scenario almost every time I walked into a bar. I walk in, grab a drink, and peruse the surroundings as you do. At some point, I would spot a girl that I was attracted to, and then the cycle would start. I would slyly look at her when she wasn't looking at me, and I would start to formulate a personality for her. And let me tell you, she was awesome, and we were going to be amazing together. And as I formulated the story, I, I started to work up the courage to go and talk to her. Oftentimes, she would even look my way, but instead of making eye contact confidently, I would avert my eyes quickly. And right here, as soon as she noticed me, that's when the story started to shift. And I imagined her rejecting me, laughing, me stumbling over my words and sounding like an idiot. And so consciously, I would start to look for faults in her. And maybe the way she looked at someone or her body language. If she smoked, that became an easy deal breaker. And I would find something I could use to talk myself out of liking her. And then suddenly the story changed. Oh, she smokes. Well, we're not meant to be. Bummer. I guess I, uh, guess I won't talk to her then. And that was my way of getting out of it. That was the bill of goods fear sold me. And to this day, in my entire life, I can tell you that I've probably walked up to a girl in a bar and spoke to her no more than five times. And I'm probably exaggerating by two. Yeah, uh, French food. We could uh, eat some together uh, Saturday night. You're asking me out? That's so cute. What's your name again? Now, sometimes these stories serve as effective warnings. As you've no doubt heard or read in many pieces about fear, at one point in our evolution, the emotional fight or flight response could be the difference between life or death in an encounter with a saber-toothed tiger. The issue today is that while the world has changed drastically, this emotional fear function has not. These emotions were designed for a world in which dangers were immediate and extreme, and risk assessment was simple and straightforward. This emotional risk analysis process never evolved to take into account statistics, media coverage, and threats that build up over time. And so the fear of rejection from a girl in a bar and the danger of a saber-toothed tiger tearing out your jugular are a lot closer than they probably should be. Astronaut Chris Hatfield aptly called this out in a TED Talk on fear, stating, The danger is entirely different than the fear. He went on to say that often the things we perceive as life-threatening, well, they're usually not as big a deal as we make them out to be. And if you can better manage this, you can fundamentally change your reaction to things so that it allows you to go places and see things and do things that otherwise would be completely denied to you. In a nutshell, our brains are terrible at assessing risks. And as a matter of fact, you could argue that these days, our misunderstanding of fear and our response to it is the threat 
which is far scarier than anything it is attached to. You know what's so elegant about this little game, Jake? Nobody knows where the enemy is. They don't even know he exists. He's in every one of their heads. And they trust him because they think they are him. When it comes to fears, we are heavily influenced by the most immediate ones, the most spectacular ones, and those that carry the most emotion for us. This is why many people fear flying and have no issues driving in a car, even though we know that statistically flying is more than a thousand times more safe than driving. But if you hit some bad turbulence in a plane, the whole vivid story plays out in your mind. The shaking, the pilot on the loudspeaker, your heart racing, oxygen mass dropping, wondering about your family, all of it. Scary, real, in our face, horrific. We don't think that same way when we are speeding in a car. Psychology Today published an article entitled, 10 Ways We Get the Odds Wrong. They wrote, because fear strengthens memory, catastrophes such as earthquakes, plane crashes, and terrorist incidents completely capture our attention. As a result, we overestimate the odds of dreadful but infrequent events and underestimate how risky ordinary events are. The effect is amplified by the fact that the media tend to cover what's dramatic and exciting. The more we see something, the more common we think it is, even if we are watching the same footage over and over. And they give an example. After 9-11, 1.4 million people changed their holiday travel plans to avoid flying. The vast majority chose to drive instead. But as we just said, driving is far more dangerous than flying. And according to two separate analyses comparing traffic patterns in 2001 to those the year before, the decision to switch caused roughly 1,000 additional auto fatalities. And so fear, that thing we think is protecting us from dangers, can sometimes steer us right into them. And 9-11 is just one example of the media working in tandem with our amygdala to steer us into danger instead of away from it. Viruses are another favorite vehicle for them. In the last 15 years, we've had SARS. I still feel like, uh, like people are spitting on me and that people are, are trying to make me sick. Bird flu. Stockpiling vaccines, setting up quarantines. An outbreak of the bird flu could change everything with millions of lives at stake. Is new Swine flu. Tourism to Mexico has plummeted since the swine flu outbreak was declared a week ago. And more recently, Ebola. Fox News alert now, the Ebola emergency here in America. The killer virus. Spreading much faster than efforts to contain it. Spiraling out of control. Stop admitting West Africans into America. In all of them, the fear exponentially greater than the actual danger. Here, psychologist Paul Slovic notes why these viruses are perfect fear enablers. Uncontrollability, catastrophic potential, fatal consequences, and involuntary exposure. These are the elements that kind of go together to make up what we call the dread factor. Now translate this into your everyday life. One place fear often rears its ugly head is any endeavor where we put ourselves out there exposed to other people's judgment. If you are creating something, a blog, a book, a podcast, a business, if you have to ask for the deal or the job or sell a product, you can feel the rejection before you even ask. 
That feels immediate, scary, real, in our face, horrific, and we tend to retreat when we feel those kinds of fears. Because the other fear of slowly but surely running out of money, having to get a job, kind of enjoying it at first, but year after year dreading it more, getting to the point where you hate going to work and you're counting down the days until Friday, and then you start counting down the years to retirement, and slowly over 15, 20, 30 years you die inside. That fear, that slowly drawn out horror, does not carry the same weight in your mind as one person standing in front of you right now, today, looking at you and saying, no, what a stupid idea. Did you write this? It's horrible. This product sucks. This company will never work. And so instead of charging forward into our ideas and our visions, we freeze, paralyzed. And in those moments, we like to tell ourselves that we are not retreating, we are contemplating, that we are not afraid, we are just being cautious. But make no mistake about it, standing still in a world that is full of motion is retreating. And what you think is caution is most often cowardice. And the C word you're looking for in these situations is not contemplation or caution. What you seek, what you need, is courage. Courage, man! Courage! You see, there will always be fear. The phrase no fear is a fallacy, and perhaps that's why that particular clothing line filed for bankruptcy in 2011. And so it's not about eliminating something that will always exist. It is about countering it with something that is more powerful. You know, most people think of courage as an emotion, a will. You know, people will say things like, courage is a willingness to be afraid and act anyway. Courage is a muscle strengthened by use. And of course, Rocky told us that, You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. But courage is not an emotion. It is an ability. Specifically, according to Merriam-Webster, the ability to do something that you know is difficult or dangerous. It is much more than just a will or guts or some primal strength to charge forward against the resistance to fear. Courage is also intellect and trust. It is intelligent analysis and intuition, the quality of your mind and spirit to stay grounded, calm, focused, and present in moments of high emotion. You know, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Just literally 20 seconds of just embarrassing bravery. And I promise you, something great will come of it. Look, you are a smart person. I mean, you're listening to this show, so we assume you're a genius. You found it. And there are fears that are genuinely rooted in danger. There are moments where the lion is in the bush and you'd better run. 
There are also cases where things change. New information comes to light, there's new evidence, and it requires that you listen to the fear and reconsider. But in most cases we've talked about in this episode, fear is playing you for a fool. There is a point where you made a decision. You're going to start that business. You're going to make that phone call. You're going to move to that city, take a new job, learn to dance, walk away, tell them how you feel. Go talk to that girl. And in that moment, you were clear. It was time to advance. You'd done the analysis, you'd felt the emotions, and you'd made the decision. And now, in that moment of execution, the fear arrives, and you retreat. Courage is about choosing what you've already decided to do over whatever comes up in that moment. And when I think about it this way, I feel courage is like a trust fall into the mindset of your past self. You have to have the courage to trust your intellect and the instinct that brought you to this decision. You must have more faith in who you were when you made the decision than you do in the fear you feel as you go to execute it. Courage is there to help you do what you've already confirmed. As Nelson Mandela so wisely stated, courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. Courage is your ability, in the face of fear, to breathe deep, trust your past self, lean in, and... Hello? Hey, Brett. Hey, Nick. Don't be so excited. <laughs> okay, so I understand that Wednesday, I'm just putting the final touches on the show, I understand that Wednesday is kind of a special day. Uh, it is a special day. So, so what's happening on Wednesday? It's my birthday. What? What? So you're going to be 22? Yeah, 22-ish. Yeah. <laughs> what can we get you for your birthday? What do you want? So here's the thing. So I, I think, I feel like we have these amazing, amazing listeners and I read our reviews. If I'm ever in a bad mood, I read our reviews and they're amazing. And people out there have been talking about the show and spreading the word and that's great. And people compare our show to incredible shows that we have a ton of respect for, like Serial, Miss American Life and Invisibilia and Radio Lab. Mm -hmm. It's all amazing. But I also feel like sometimes people say to us, well, your show is great, so you guys are going to be a success for sure. And I like to believe that quality matters and I mean we put a lot of work into the show but I also know that there's you know a history of great quality artwork that didn't make it you know we're not a show we're not on ABC or CBS we haven't been picked up we're not being distributed by NPR or or Gimlet Media or Nerdist or anything like that so we're, we're just two guys you know we're two guys that really really have a lot of passion and care for what we do but you know the truth of it is that the success of this show ultimately is really in the hands of our listeners, Nick. That, that is true. Yeah, so what do you want? Yeah, so, I mean, to me, the most amazing thing right now would be exposure, you know? So I would say, like, anyone out there listening, if you know someone who has kind of a large 
one-to-many reach, okay? So someone who maybe is a writer who might write about the show on their blog or they write for an online magazine or anything, like someone who's one person who can actually have hundreds to thousands of people go, oh, wow, that's interesting. Or someone you know has a large social media following, they have a ton, ton of Twitter followers, and if they say this is cool, everybody looks at it. Or, or heck, man, you know someone who knows somebody at NPR or Gimlet Media or anything? <laughs> like, So I guess that's my, my soapbox and my ask is, is to know that like if we promise to keep putting our heart and souls into this and making a great show, if people out there can just continue to spread the word and if anyone knows a way that they can think of to get the word out further and more, then man, that would be the best birthday present I could ever, ever get. To delve more into the conversation of understanding our fears, I reached out to Brad Axelrod. Brad is a former extreme sports athlete who spent a lot of his younger years pushing through the envelope of fear, both physically and mentally. And now he uses that experience as a consultant, speaker, and founder of Face Your Dragon, where he helps people identify their fears so they can leverage them and use them to their advantage. As we jump into the conversation, Brad is about to talk about the five main fears that stop people from creating and actualizing their visions. I want to speak to actually sort of the laundry list first of them. So, you know, a lot of people in this space, the thought leader space, the change agent space, coach, consultant, speaker, you know, fear of speaking, obvious, right? Number one fear on the planet. That is in almost every single one of them. They started out with a fear of speaking unless they lean towards the narcissism side of things and they want so much to be exposed that they have no fear of any of this stuff. They just want the exposure for the dopamine. But, uh, you know, fear of speaking, fear of talking on camera, fear of failure, fear of success, right? Fear of not making enough money, fear of getting a job. There's just so many fears that come up. And the main five that I've noticed that really, really stand out for most of them is really this main one here. You'll be found out as an imposter or fraud. So, you know, how many people who are business owners or whatever, coaches, service professionals go out, they start their business and they're like, man, what if I found out as not as an expert? And I, you know, I got to come clean. I faced every single one of these freaking fears as I was building this platform out. Like, oh my gosh, who am I to share this message? Right? Yeah. There's a million more people that have, uh, that have thousands more hours of experience. Now I am an expert in a lot of these things. And I'm stretching in a lot of others. You know, it's just yep. just every every aspect of business is a stretch, right? Yeah, and that and that was a big one for me because I, I've told this story before, not on this podcast, but in other places where you know, for years I was kind of living in the confidence of what I could do. You know, right. I, I could make a great album. I could be a great speaker. I just pretended that was true because I was afraid to actually do it because if I actually did it, I might fail miserably. And, and I didn't really want that rejection. And it was exactly that. Like, I, exactly I don't, right. I don't want to be found out as a fraud and not just a fraud to other people, but also maybe a fraud to myself. Like maybe Absolutely. I'm actually not as capable as I think I am. That's exactly right. So the fear of failure, the fear of success. Uh, the second one is you won't have enough clients. So how many times have, have you know we started something with the, the the terror of stepping away from a corporate gig or a steady paycheck to jump in, right? Mm. I mean, it, it, it's it's pretty intense to be self reliant. That self reliant. And, and let me just put in there again for for because I want to give context to this for everyone. If you're listening to this and maybe it's not about business, but it's not about but it's about something else. Really, what that fear is saying to me is a fear that what you need won't show up. It's exactly right. So it's scarcity. Yeah, total scarcity, right? So so the quiz will you know outline some of these elements. 
uh, on the website for for people, but you play small and don't charge what you're worth. That's the third one, right? So I better get any client at any at any price. Uh, you know, I, so many people I've worked with have lowered their fees. They just keep lowering their fees because they're struggling to find clients, partially because they don't have all the other elements in place, right? The right branding, the right marketing funnel. You know, these are all things that we work with just to make sure it's really, really, you're really clear on what your message is and things like that. But, um, you know, not charging what you're worth. That's, that's again, self-worth. It's all about self-worth there. Yep. Um, the fourth one is, you know, you'll build this thing and, and, and it'll fall on deaf ears. People won't, your tribe won't get, get the message. People won't get what you're offering, whatever it is, any service or message or package. You just, you just won't people. And that's won't just get huge it. rejection, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I've said to people about this podcast that this podcast really is the full expression of me. And I said to a few people, I said, if I do this for a year and we don't have <laughs> success, well, what that just tells me is that the world doesn't want to hear what I have to say. And I'm okay right. with that, actually, or I feel like I am Good. because of a lot of the work I've done. But that's a pretty big rejection, right? You put your entire heart, soul, mind into something and people are like, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, that's basically saying I don't get you. Yeah, man, it is. It is. That is really one of the big ones for me. It's like, man, what if what if people don't like this face your dragon brand or they say I'm a copycat of Joseph Campbell or Avatar or how to train your dragon. Right. So there's <laughs> that man. What if I'm what if I'm how do I differentiate myself and what if I did differentiate myself too much to where people don't get it or don't like me or it all comes back to am I worthy? Am I lovable? Am I likable? Right. right. Yep. Got it. So the last one is, this is really the fear of success. You'll become successful and get criticized or your personal life will suffer. How many people do you know, Brett, who have built a tremendous business, they're crushing it in business and, and their home life sucks or they, they hate how busy they are or, or people are now starting to post, which I'm sure you've experienced. I've certainly had it on occasion where people are challenging my beliefs or challenging what I'm saying and criticizing me. So let me ask you another question on these on these fears because you have a, um, uh, a, a a short quiz, right? A one minute quiz uh, that you can do on your website to kind of find out what your your big hidden fear is out of these five and how it's showing up. And one of the things I noticed when I did that quiz was that in the email I got that it also talked about my dragon symbol being self esteem. So do each of these fears have almost a counterpoint or are there just a few counterpoints that that kind of apply to all five? That's exactly right. You're giving away the goods, but that's exactly <laughs> right. So but you don't have to <laughs> when, say what they all are, but just, but just talk you, to that idea that there is some sort of counterpoint. Is that, is that it, what it, it, that's exactly right? So we had talked about abundance being being the opposite of uh, right. The fear of not having enough clients. Right. So right. I mean, it's just so important to um, know that actually the quiz I'll back up and say that the quiz is, is helps you discover the number one thing that's stopping you from earning what you're worth. Right. So, it, I mean, everything comes back to, to self-love and self-esteem no matter what we're doing um, and it's going to help you in one minute sort of define how you can how you can either get in touch with what's holding you back and then make changes or you know whatever the next steps are for you right so so basically i mean even as i was crafting this show like really early on i was like oh okay the show's kind of about fear 
And then as I crafted it, I immediately realized, oh, no, wait, the show's about courage, right? <laughs> because, nice. because that's, that's the opposite. And so what really what, what it sounds like is you've got, you know, these, these five fears. And then what you're going to help people uncover is, is kind of what are the five or what's the counter courage specifically that they need to, I would imagine, nurture and grow in order to break through whatever's stopping them. Is that fair? That's, exa- that's exactly right. And, every, yeah. you know, no matter what we're doing, we need to, we need to jump through the fear into, into courage and build it out. And that, you know, that's the other the sort of, the, the back end of this. But what I've noticed with, with uh, you know, working with all these people throughout the years is that no matter what happens, no matter how successful they are, and I've worked, worked with and spoken with some of the biggest thought leaders on the planet, they bump into fears because they hit a new level of, oh my God, what's, what's social media? What the heck is that? Yeah. I've been traveling around for 30 years speaking on stage with a, with a payphone, right? So no matter what, there's other fears that show up and then we, you know, we work with creating the systems and use the best of technology to, to layer in the best way to amplify your voice. Right on. Yeah. And I mean, on that, I, I know one of the things that Tony Robbins says that I always liked was, you know, when you're confused, it means you're learning. Right. So, so oh, when, when, when you're, when you're calm, you're like, and you, you're not confused. That actually means you're, you've, you stopped growing in some ways. Right. And as soon as you yep. get confused, and it, I imagine it's the same with fear, like nothing wrong. I mean, I've had moments in my life where I kind of cruise in comfort zone. Cause I'm like, it took me a long time to get to the top of this mountain. I'm going to enjoy the view for a while. <laughs> but you know, the idea of, Oh, I'm going to break through all my fears and never have fears again. That's basically you saying that you're going to just stop growing. Right. That's exactly right. And, and on the website, it says free yourself from hidden fear. Right. Mm. So, uh, and that's sort of a play on Gay Hendricks' book, The Big Leap, which is which is so so powerful around understanding we have our upper limits. But what you're referencing is actually your zone of excellence. So stay in your comfort zone, your zone of excellence, which Gay talks about. Uh, don't step into your zone of genius because it's scary and it's going to be edgy. But that's where the juice is, right? Yep. So how do we how do we have the courage? And you're so spot on with the courage. It's really all about courage. But we've got to understand where the hidden fears lie before we can move into that place of courage or we're just going to bury them under the rug sweep them under the rug and you know and they're going to show up again right so one last question for you brad and something i I ask a lot of my guests you know the the show's called where there's smoke right and we like to kind of look through the smoke and try to find some of the things that maybe other people aren't looking at Uh, you know is there anything in this area that you know as as you are out there speaking and especially as you're launching a lot of what you're doing in, in a new and bigger way is there anything that you feel people really aren't seeing or they're not aware of or maybe they're they're not really as aware of some of the risks that are uh, in front of them as they should be. Wow, you know that's a really really good question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna frame it this way and say that to chase your dragon is to is to avoid. Well, I mean, it actually started with the morphine dens and people smoking morphine and trying to chase chase that dragon, that first high that they got. That's where the term actually came from. But what, the way I'm using it here is is distraction living, meaning. What are you doing that's keeping you from stepping into your edge, stepping up, saying yes to to whatever that next evolution of yourself is? How do you distract yourself? Is it is it alcohol? Is it exercise? Is it sex? Is it I mean, whatever it is, what is it drugs? Whatever you're doing, is it too much travel? What are you doing so much of that's avoiding you from actually feeling what you're feeling? How are you self-medicating yourself, you know, anesthetizing yourself so that you're not really feeling what's going on for you? Because like we said at the beginning of the show and throughout, that's where the juice is. And if we're sedating ourselves, we're actually taking away some of our edge and some of our opportunity to use the biochemicals to serve ourselves, our families, our humanity, you know, whatever it is. So just like not moving can be retreating, 
moving into another direction, aka avoiding, can be retreating as well. If you want to learn more about Brad and his work and or take the one-minute fear quiz, go to faceyourdragon.com and we will also put that in the show notes. Lastly, linking together last week's show on success and this week's on fear and courage, I just want you to know what an incredible job you are doing in life. I mean, this is a challenging journey. And the fact that you are listening to this podcast says a lot about you. Among many things, it says that you're involved in your own self-development. You are not on autopilot. You are a learner. You are open. And you are someone who is making things happen. So keep it up. Apply the ahas, insights, and tools you get from these shows. And keep being a great example out there. The world needs them. Okay, so switching gears here, back in February, we discovered through our stats that we had one listener in Ghana. And so on a show, we said we wanted to meet them. And within 24 hours, Jerome in Ghana got in touch with us. Some of you might remember that. It was super awesome. Yeah. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we did something similar with France, which is our number five country in terms of downloads. And there is certainly more than one listener there. And here's what we heard back. Now, not to throw Nick under the bus, but I'm going to. He thought I should start insulting the French until you contact us. Look, I love a good roast as much as the next guy, but I have two issues with this plan. Number one, I think you deserve one more opportunity to step up. And number two, insulting the French? I mean, that seems kind of unoriginal and a bit overplayed. And again, I love France. That's why I want to meet some people there who dig our show. So allons-y. Email us at connect at wheretherssmoke.co. Leave a voicemail on our website or tweet me at Brett Gaida. We want to know who's listening to us in France. We want to meet you. I love this part of the show. Shout out for iTunes reviews. First, big props to Nick's audio mixer for the review a couple of weeks ago. I did not give it a shout out last week and things have been a little poltergeisty ever since. So Nick's audio mixer, we love you and we appreciate the awesome review. As well, Jim, aka Q93463 wrote, not sure how long you can keep this up, but I do hope it's for a good long while. Bravo, please keep up the energy. It must be hard work. Jim, thank you for noticing. It is hard work and the energy from listeners like you keep us going. Julianne is my name, told us she loved the show and she said, also a reason to encourage poor neglected Tuesday. True story. Nice to be given Tuesday some love. And tell D from the USA, I hate to break it to you, but that was Cookie Monster, not Strong Bad at the beginning of the questions episode. However, we are both big Strong Bad fans, so not only do you get major kudos from us for bringing him up, but you might want to hang out until the very end of this episode. And for the Twitter love, thank you Ellie in the metropolis of London, the Yellow Ranger and her morphing crew, Lisa Peterson, aka at Five Frogs, at Shirley Tricker for a tweet that put us in some great company, at Hope Lab for ongoing support and promotion, and at The Brian Sawyer for naming me, me, as one of his pivotal forces. Check out his comedy podcast. It's called It's Weird for Everyone. 
Please continue to create conversations out there through iTunes reviews, as well as sharing things on Twitter and joining our Facebook page. We love hearing from you guys. Where There's Smoke is conceived, written, produced, edited, hosted, marketed, catered, and cried over by Brett Guida and Nick Jaworski. And if you want help making your podcast sound awesome or you want someone to cry over them, Nick's company, Podcast Monster, can help you. Go to podcastmonster.com. If you want to join our mailing list and stay in the loop, you have two options. On your phone right now, text the word SMOKE to 66866 or Go to our website, www.wherethersmoke.co. While you're there, leave a voicemail for us. Feedback, questions, thoughts, ideas. We love hearing from you guys. You can also find show notes there, which include links to all the clips used in this episode, as well as links to anything else we reference in the show. Our theme song was written and performed by Des McKinney with additional music by Kevin McLeod. And now it is time for our clip of the week. And it really, really, really wasn't much of a contest. Some great stuff this week, but who can compete with the Knights of the Round Table fleeing from the Killer Rabbit? (laughs) And finally, as promised, for Tel D and any other Homestar Runner fans out there, we let Strong Bad sign us off this week. So hopefully one day technology will catch up with my advanced thinking. So all the ladies can start making out with their TV screens. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next week.